0: It's just our way You toss a rock and you break a window Toss a feather up And watch the wind blow It away and you can float on the wind for so long but Someday, honey, you have to come back down
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Blind Love Radio I am your host, Anna Rosen And today I have a really, really good episode for you I'm so excited to share Um, It seems so appropriate for everything that's going on in the world right now i don't need to remind you i'm sure you all (laughs) are well aware um you know with all the corona stuff and i feel like there's been so much panic and um which is understandable but um I don't know. We talk a lot in this episode. First, let me tell you who our guest is. Our guest is Freedom of Sacred Mirrors. That is her handle, sacred.mirrors on Instagram. And then her website is sacredmirrors.co if you wanted to book a reading with her. She is an artist, um, a tarot reader, a storyteller, astrologer, all of the things Um, such an articulate wise human like I want to say human but I feel like just like spirit is a better word to call her as you'll see um but we talk a lot about like the beauty of the beautiful moments of being uncomfortable um in this podcast and She shares a beautiful story that she heard in her work as a crisis counselor, which I think um, really sheds light on the different layers of emotion we can go through and the fact that it doesn't make it right or wrong, it's just a part of the human experience, and I think not pushing away the scary things is definitely something I'm trying to work through with um, in light of everything that's going on. Um, I mean, I'm really right there with you guys. I've had work canceled and you know that fear comes in and my heart really goes out to anybody who is sick and is dealing with this illness and um you know definitely not trying to bury my head in the sand but also not trying to create more panic than I need to like definitely not trying to like hoard toilet paper I don't know It feels, like, rude not to even mention it at the same time of, like, talking about it. Just another part of this facet, right? Anyway, we talk a lot about tarot in this podcast. We talk about the different archetypes. We go into, like, a really fun comparison of different cards that like astrologically are opposites so like the emperor and the justice card because that would be like aries and libra and so on um that was like a really fun tangent we talk about a lot about capricorn and like capricorn is like the dark mermaid which i am obsessed with um I love that love 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 that Um, her views on that were so fun and we talk about uh, I feel like this was just like such a good philosophical talk about just like all of the things archetypes life just like a good life chat this is really what I needed to hear again right now. Um, also the idea like when you have setbacks. Feeling like it's not like all of your progress is not completely taken away. Even though it feels like that in the moment. Um, which I'm like relishing in in the moment. And... Um, Ah, just I love talking to freedom. She is so wise, as you'll see. Definitely reach out to her to book a reading. I love following her on Instagram. She has these very like digestible posts about the archetypes of the Zodiac as we go from like each sign. So, right now, there's a lot of posts about Pisces, and I'm just loving that. Um, So, definitely follow her on Instagram, sacred.mirrors. And she has such a diverse amount of offerings on her website, um, from readings to dream work to, um, I feel like, just like these beautiful I don't know, just beautiful packages. You guys need to check it out. I know you're going to love this podcast, so stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. So I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope that your loved ones are staying safe. I hope that you're also staying calm, as hard as that is to do, but yeah, I mean, definitely for the best, right? That's what I'm telling myself. So I love you guys. I hope this conversation brings you some beautiful connection. Also, if you're quarantined and not having as much social contact, so tune into this podcast on the weekly. Maybe I'll start putting them out more so you guys will have something to do have something to listen to if you're into that send me a message that you would love it um regardless i'm gonna get into this episode i think i've rambled enough and i love you if nobody has told you today i love you all right smooches
0: Someday honey, you have to come back down. Really do. and I'll be
1: Okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, I'm Freedom.
2: I am a multidisciplinary artist. And I use a variety of mediums, including um, visual art, poetry, and within my my well of uh, sacred mirrors, I'm exploring storytelling, archetypes, and symbolism through primarily tarot, astrology, dream work, and uh, journeying. And I'm so happy to be here, Anna.
1: I love that. So I saw on your stories that you are writing the myth for Capricorn for the 8th house Oracle deck.
2: Yes, I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) tell me, can you tell me what the story is going to be? Have you written it yet?
2: No. So I, a big part of my work is research, uh, just in general. And so I definitely want to weave together whatever I come up, whatever comes up for me in research, as well as intuitively what what feels right, and add kind of a creative flair to it. I think this project really allows for that. And I'm super excited for it. I, when I got into astrology and my chart, I have a Capricorn stellium. And at first, I couldn't see myself reflected in that archetype. But the deeper I get into learning about it, And what it really represents, the more of myself I see in it. And so I'm really excited to be able to explore that more fully and deeply. And then to offer what comes to me to others.
1: Yes, I have a Capricorn stellium also. Oh! Twins! (laughs) (laughs) It's very intense.
2: It is. And I think with Capricorn... More so than some other signs, it's something that really has to play out over time and that you really grow into.
1: Yes.
2: I, I think I'm just, I don't know about you, but I think I'm just beginning to really step into it and its power. I overheard in um, the last one of your episodes that you're just finishing up your Saturn return. Mm -hmm. and I'm just about to enter kind of the peak of mine so I think that's a really potent time especially working with Capricorn because it's I mean Saturn return Saturn is rulership of Capricorn so
1: (laughs) it's so funny because I thought mine was gonna like let up a little bit and then like all the astrologers I've talked to have been like, you're on like the downward slope of it. It's like almost done. <laughs> and then I just did like my year ahead spread um, for 2020 and it was so indicative of like all of the themes I've been working through and just like continuing Mm. It was like, no, you're not done yet. Haha, just kidding. (laughs) Like, this is longer than you think it'll take, which is so Saturnian, though.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely is. And I think, you know, in the Saturn return, it's kind of like the act of shedding skin. Yes. But the skin still exists after it's shed. It doesn't just disappear. (laughs)
1: That is so true. So I'm doing the serpent for the deck. So like, Oh wow. Yes. No so I like couldn't decide like which one I would rather do, like Capricorn or I just felt I've been feeling this like big draw. I like I love Scorpio, but there's something about like specifically with snakes. And mm. like I'm very like Pluto heavy in my chart. So this idea of, like, always shedding skin and, like, allowing it to come off. And you're so right. Like, something that's been coming to mind for me is that it takes time. Like, you don't just, like, immediately shed something off. Like, it's a process. And I think, like, the longer it takes, the smoother it is also. Instead of just, like, chopping something off and, like... I don't know. I guess there's a time and place for that, but yeah,
2: yeah. know I think I think that's all very wise, and it resonates a lot with me. Um, hopefully, it'll resonate with others too. But I, I think you're really spot on with that.
1: Where uh, is your stellium? What house? Uh, <laughs>
2: um, well, I guess it depends what. Um, for some of them, my second house.
1: Oh, my God, um, me too. Really? <laughs> what system or what, like, is it a whole sign? I, yeah, or? That,
2: that's kind of where I was going. Um, I use whole sign house system.
1: So for a whole sign, mine is the third. Okay. But for Placidus, mm-hmm. it's the second.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's uh, for, I don't know your experience. I'll speak for mine.
1: <sighs> it's it's a, a hard place to have a stellium. <laughs> it is. I feel like I think mine is I relate more with the whole sign with it being in the third house
2: mm. yeah, so you relate more with that um what in what ways I'm curious
1: like this whole year has definitely been like indicative of the podcast and communicating and um which I feel like are big third house themes mm-hmm. um yeah and like writing and ideas and relationships and um I don't know I feel it. I relate a little bit to the second house like I do have like my own business like a hair business which feels very like a little bit Taurus um in the sense of like second house but I don't know I would feel like if I was if I was truly like second house it feels like I would be like Warren Buffett by now (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I don't know how do you relate to yours like how is it playing out so I can gauge myself (laughs) well
2: I think with the second house um, in terms of for me these very worldly concepts of money and possessions and things Um, since I'm young, it's, it's very hard for me to grasp these concepts. I feel like I don't naturally, I'm not naturally good at handling money. I'm not naturally good with timing um, in terms of, you know, possessions and having things to myself. There's a, there's a lot of things that I just, I don't really understand the point of, um, you know, I, I think it's just been really hard. And especially as an adult now, where these are things you have to deal with, right? As a child, um, hopefully if you're in a stable enough home and these things are given to you you don't have to think about you know the burden of money shouldn't be placed on you as a child regardless of what's going on in your family and um the burden of having to be on time yourself is not you know that's whoever your caretaker is is in charge of these things but as we grow into our adulthood these are things that we have to take responsibility for and i think with my stellium being there with capricorn It's, it's a huge life lesson for me. And with my name too, having to acquire the freedom with these things that I don't feel comes naturally to me, I have to work very hard at. So I definitely relate with the second house. Um, I, I love what you said about the third house for you and with this podcast and congratulations on a year by the way thank you um i'm curious though if before starting this podcast if you felt it it sounds like in the past year you felt you gaining some type of handle on that stellium
1: Totally. I feel like before I didn't really have a voice.
2: Mm, wow.
1: Like I feel like that was totally blocked. And I think that's been like a big, I don't know, like almost like maturation or like stepping into that role for myself. Um, it feels a little bit like a freedom also. Like I have, like just thinking about it now, I have Uranus in there in the stellium Mm -hmm. and it just feels like that I don't know breaking free and like actually using my voice for something that matters to me and speaking my truth um I think like a big part of my 20s was it almost feels a little bit like I moved from like The second house felt like I really worked on that in my 20s and then it was kind of like gearing me up to like the third house working on that in my 30s because I just turned 30. So, I mean, obviously Saturn return, right? (laughs) Um, But because like I built this whole hair business and I discovered that I started that in a progressed Capricorn moon which is very interesting, like going to hair school 10 years ago. And it mm. was kind of like this coming into stability. And I met my now husband like that same month that I started hair school. And it was like all of these things that just gave me a lot of stability that I really n- lacked in my life. Um, and I was kind of able to like grow through that but it kind of like covered up a li- like it was a source of freedom through the stability like you're talking about mm-hmm. but it wasn't like something was missing like it didn't actually equate to fulfillment And so that's kind of why I started the podcast and that kind of like spurred me on this whole journey of like coming into myself and really like allowing like my full self to shine rather than just like these material things that have like anchored me if that makes any sense.
2: Totally, and I—I'm so proud of you. That's such an amazing journey, and it's so amazing to have the understanding that it sounds like you have on. I think you described it so beautifully. Um, You know, it's this speaking of endurance and stability, and I think those are definitely Capricorn themes, and even emperor themes as we're going into an emperor year. Yes. <laughs> talking about and exploring. So
1: an emperor is my birth card. Oh, wow. Nice. Yes. It, I, feel, it feels like a big year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think it will be. I, I love the emperor archetype. Um, when I first started studying tarot, it was probably one of the cards I disliked or didn't understand uh but the more I learn and the more my practice grows I I just I don't know I I see through I guess the illusions of how things are taught to us you know that the emperor is masculine energy and that Um, I think there's a lot of shadow sides of these archetypes that we're experiencing, especially in the Me Too movement and, you know, so many other movements that we forget what the potential really is of things like archetypes such as Capricorn, the emperor, and they really are so beautiful and they can be delicate in their own ways.
1: You know what I think like a big theme that I feel like keeps coming up for me and that idea of like these very like hard ideas but they're so delicate is the idea of like a switchback on a mountain and it kind of like reminds me of the spiral of tarot and Mm. this idea that you're going up this mountain and you might have to like curve on a path that kind of like takes you down but it feels it's almost like a little bit of an illusion that it's taking you down because really it's just like taking you to this other way for you to like get up the mountain
0: Mm. and it's like
1: you feel like you're not getting anywhere but then it's like a few months later you're like oh my god I didn't lose all that time like actually I'm more aligned with like where I actually need to be So I think, like, it's, like, that steady growth, but then, like, checking in and being, like, okay, now I need to work on this. And it doesn't mean that, like, anything that you've done in the past is, like, taken away. It's, like, all built there. It's, like, all a part of the foundation that just, like, allows you to show up and lead as your best self.
2: So beautifully put and so true. And just side note, I apologize for the phone <laughs> that ringing. I can't turn it off. It's
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, I, I think that part of maturation, um, which we were discussing earlier with Capricorn, Saturn, um, and every tarot archetype, I think, holds its own journey of maturation. And this spiral imagery that you gave, uh, which kind of makes me think of the labyrinth as well.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Which which I love. It's one of the most potent symbols I work with currently. Um, but I think that part of maturation is sometimes, and part of alignment, is going off the path it's seemingly you have to go off the path you have to get lost sometimes in order to really find yourself or find what is meant to find you and in the moment when you know you're going through it for me definitely I feel this way and I feel this way even now at some points in growing my business it's less than a year old and I find myself kind of feeling like I'm off the path and kind of confused and lost. And I have to remind myself that storytelling for millennia talk of at the end of the story, you see where everything was needed and the purpose of everything. And we don't always see that in the moment and we don't always feel it, but at that climactic point when you know that journey has taken its place we we can really feel why going off the path was necessary as a way to really reclaim that path and so i think that's a really powerful the imagery you gave too between going up the mountain and then it almost, when you were speaking, it reminded me of like layers, like the spiral. So it's just going into a different layer. Um, it's not what seemingly is off path is really where you need to be.
1: Totally. I love that. And I love your labyrinth metaphor. That's so beautiful.
2: (laughs) I just, I love the labyrinth in general.
1: (laughs) It's so funny because I totally feel like that is what Saturn returns are. It's like you're always going to feel lost in whatever area it gives you.
2: I think that definitely can be one expression of it. Um, I don't think it it has to be. Um, I think that there is this idea of Saturn return as, you know, your life's going to fall apart and you're going to be, so unhappy and everything is going to be so hard. And, um, that definitely can be one expression of it, but I think it's more just about your resilience being tested and having to endure. I definitely see though the metaphor of the labyrinth of it's just your Saturn return is kind of, it is that spiral. It's taking you a layer deeper. Um, Mm And it's, you know, how you want to meet it. Are you going to meet it with resistance? Well, then things might be harder than if you're allowing yourself to kind of surrender to going off path and to embrace kind of the unknown, which I guess what you were saying about being lost.
1: Yeah, I totally relate to it's not always a bad thing. Like my husband's like looking at his, he has it in Libra. And we met at his Saturn return, Mm. which is very interesting. And it was like, that was like a great thing. Like we got together, but it was definitely like this maturation for him of like entering this, you know, very committed relationship. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I don't think it like came naturally to him also. Like he was, he has a lot of Capricorn himself, so he was... He's very independent. And yeah, I think like learning to be in right relationship is a big lesson that's hard to know what you're doing.
2: Definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Relationships in general, I think, not just with other people, but with everything with ourselves, our bodies, our possessions. It's that's kind of life and it's not easy.
1: So what do you, do you have any advice for anybody like entering their Saturn return or maybe the people who have it in Aquarius? What like themes might come up?
2: I think just in general, to be gentle with yourself and not have expectations and that's not just advice for Saturn return. I think that's just advice in general because I think going into it with all this information out there of, and kind of these expectations of what it is, those are a great starting point, but that's all they are is a starting point they are not meant to share with you what your experience is going to be because your experience is unique to your your to you and i think just trusting yourself trusting the process trusting what's to come and kind of being able to separate the habits we've built up over the last 27 to 30 years being able to separate those patterns from what truly feeds us and allowing for change i mean i think a big thing too with our saturn return is and other cycles in our life is that they're there to get you back on track and if you're already on track they're there to take you a level deeper and a level deeper could mean big changes and so i think honoring those things is really important and differentiating between what we want our habits what we're comfortable with and what we need and what really nourishes us and what is really authentic for us in that moment is important because I can tell you from my experience, what was true authentic for me and what I needed a year ago is not the same as what I need now and what my authentic expression is. And that's really hard to come to terms with. It's hard for me. A big thing that I'm going through is allowing myself to leave behind comforts that once served me and helped me through crisis and through surviving in order to embody a fuller expression of myself. And it's not easy work. And I think, you know, really being gentle with yourself, not comparing yourself to someone else and going, Oh, but their Saturn return or their experience you know, we, we're we living a different life than the person next to us. The two of us are living different lives and yet here we are connecting, right? And so it can be easy to get stuck in that comparison game or trying to find advice or solace in someone else when we have the answers within us. You just have to be willing to really listen.
1: Yes, how did you become so wise? <laughs> and I hope that answered your question. Um, I realize yes, above <laughs> and beyond.
2: Um, yeah, I, life, life is, it's a beautiful journey, but it's not, it's not easy. It really isn't. And I think when we can embrace our own struggles, we can learn so much from them.
1: So what kind of happened like a year ago that like propelled you to start this business? So
2: for the past four, five years or so, um, I've been doing crisis counseling. And um, that kind of started from having experienced a lot of my own crises. And it was a way to heal for me and to give back. And about a year ago, I just, I, I realized that I had kind of come full circle with it in what it had to offer me and what I had to offer it. I was no longer invested the same way. Um, I think we can learn something from everything in life, but it doesn't mean that we need a lifetime to learn it. It's like children with the ABCs. I'm not, you know, at almost 29, still reciting the ABCs. I've, I've learned that, I've been able to move past it and grow Um, on top of that foundation. And I feel like my work in this was a foundation that I was ready to move past. And that's not to say for anyone doing that type of work or any other type of work, that could be a lifetime worth of work for someone. It just, I felt it wasn't for me and my direction was shifting. Um, And also just, I wanted to, I think, what we talked about earlier, my Capricorn stellium being, especially in the second house of possessions that part of my journey for freedom is in really being able to manage myself and not be reliant on something else. And so working for myself also became something that I felt I really had to do, even though it was so out of my comfort zone, (laughs) But I've learned a lot, even just in less than this past year. And it's also made me realize kind of what I was talking about before, all the things in my life up until this point that have led to me being able to do this. They have all had a purpose.
1: What was the biggest thing that you learned from being a crisis counselor?
2: That you never know what someone else is going through. And not to assume. Um, I was told this amazing story during my training. And if you'd like, I it's short. I'd love to repeat it because it's one of those stories that really changed my perception.
1: Yes, please.
2: Um, so this older, the story is this older woman, um, maybe let's say in her 80s, but doesn't matter the age, comes to a counselor and says, I'm feeling suicidal. And also just for a little background, the type of crisis counseling that I was doing and am still engaged in on some level, though less is focused primarily on suicide prevention and sexual assault and intimate partner violence. Um, So this older woman comes and says, "I, I wanna end my life, I don't wanna live anymore. And upon deeper conversation and reflection with this older woman, you find out that it, their primary reason for this is because their goldfish just died. Now, when I first heard this story about five years ago, I almost laughed inside. I said to myself, you want to end your life because a goldfish died? I mean, I am a pet lover. I'm an animal lover. They can be like family, But to me, it seemed so trivial. I was judging in a huge way. But what you learn as the story progresses, and as you get to know this person, this older woman more, and you befriend them, you steer them more deeply into what's going on with them, you learn that within the past year, their husband of 50 years died. You learn that they're living somewhere where it's winter. And so their plants have died as well. Um, They forgot to take them in from the balcony and they've frozen. And so you learn that this goldfish is the last living thing in their apartment or in their home besides them. So with their goldfish dying, they are now faced with their own mortality. They, especially as an older person, maybe 70, 80, 90 years old, are confronted with this fear, with this lifelong fear that I think most of us have of death, of dying, of of the unknown. And where their focus before was on their husband and their declining health and then the plants and caring for them. And then the goldfish. Now they have none of those support systems. They have none of those external ways in which to either escape, avoid or cope with their own feelings. And so these feelings have become too much for them. They're forced to face them. And it's overwhelming to the point of not wanting to live, which when you get to that point of the story, at least to me, is totally valid and reasonable and makes sense. And you understand that through the progression. But to jump to conclusions before you have a chance to really open yourself up and understand what someone else may be going through, which I don't think we ever can fully understand, but we can certainly try um, and give them space to process their own feelings. It's, it's a disservice to both you and to them. And so I think really just that phrase, you never know is it, it helps keep me in check whenever I have a moment of judgment, which you know i could have a million times a day we're human it's judgment is a necessary part of us navigating the world but in this type of work it's not always it's not helpful and so you have to really be able to just keep yourself in check and go you know what you don't know why this person is acting or saying or doing what they're doing so steering towards and really listening to what they're going through can open a whole new world for you.
1: Wow, that was such a big story.
2: I, I agree. I, one of those stories that, you know, there are very few things, not very few, but only a handful of things so far in my life that have really stuck with me to the point of completely altering my perspective and how I live. And that was one of them.
1: I love how like one, I don't want to say simple, because that kind of trivially, trivialized, trivializes such a emotionally in-depth story of humanity. But, but just a story can open up somebody's perspective to where they see things completely differently.
2: Absolutely. And that's the power of storytelling. And that's why it's such a big part of my personal work and now what i'm offering to others because i do think it can be really transformative
1: do you think that kind of reflects like the hanged man card
2: i love that you brought that up and i think it totally can i mean there's this shift in perspective there's this rebirth with the hanged man card um and kind of, you know, being birthed through the canal of a new perspective of your world being turned upside down. Um, So yeah, totally. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it though, since you brought it up and kind of where your head's at.
1: Well, that is my card for the year I pulled for my 2020 spread. And I thought I was done with him (laughs) (laughs) for the collective year of 2019. And I was so excited, like, oh, this is done, like, endings coming to completion. And then it was like, oh, nope, a whole nother year. And, like, (laughs) this idea of, like, also, like, being uncomfortable, which I feel like, to me, like, that's a very uncomfortable story to listen to somebody else's pain, mm. but it's so life-changing at the same time, like, discomfort can also be life-changing, like, not everything yeah. needs to feel good to be important work.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, my God, what a great quote.
1: Right? Right.
2: I love that. I'm going to have to re I'm going to have to re-listen to all this just for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad I could say something worthy.
2: <laughs> no. So I, I love right. This conversation. It's the two of us. It's us reflecting and bouncing off of each other. And that's also the power of conversation, too, is, you know, what someone else is able to kind of exca- excavate from within you. Totally um but that that's so funny though he he thought you were done with it and it's I like, did no, no. I was <laughs> so
1: disappointed oh my god both me and my sister like we did this whole ritual on it was like right before Christmas Eve and we were like so excited because we had so much fun with like doing the whole year ahead last year and we were like oh this is gonna be so great we've like completely transformed and blah 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 we're gonna go into 2020 and it's gonna be so great and we were like so hyped in the beginning <laughs> and like we got out like the incense and like we did this mugwort thing and we oh, laid out like,
0: like
2: an incredible ritual though it
1: was it was very elaborate and we like put out like food for the ancestors and we got everything ready and by the end of it though it was <laughs> we were like like the look on our faces was just like that was work like (laughs) like oh it was just like we had been dragged through the mud of it was just not what we had expected yeah but that's totally like what tarot is it's never what you expect
2: very true I'm curious looking back on this ritual though kind of what your thoughts are because obviously the perspective is very different in the moment right after. And then after some time.
1: Well, I feel like I'm thinking about it just like with my month right now. So my month card is six of cups reversed. And I pulled like a frequency card with it. So it was beauty. And then knowing that, like my center card is the hanged man, so I was kind of like, "What's what's this all about?" And it very quickly revealed itself to me. Um, and I'm also going through like numerically a chariot year, so I'm I moved out of my devil year, which I'm very glad that's over with, um, and. I'm kind of realizing this idea of, okay, there's like a lot of thoughts, so bear with me, but I had like this very profound realization this week of self-acceptance with the hanged man and aligned action with the chariot. So it's not always necessarily like that idea of the switchback came in. Like you don't always necessarily feel like you need to be moving forward to actually be moving forward. Mm
0: -hmm. Like so
1: many times in society, it's like you need to be like moving really quickly and like productivity to be to have value to yourself But really it's like honoring all of those things that are not even like your best qualities, but at the flip side of the coin, it's like what also makes you great and like hanging out there in that uncomfortableness is kind Mm. of like really honoring yourself. And I think that's like really the, that like six of cups card of like, really honoring the traumas that we have in our lives and how they really affect us but not pushing them away and then also not like shaming ourselves for being like that it's like it's uncomfortable like life can be really uncomfortable it's you know it's that story you just told like it can be everything around you dying, but that also doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't make life any less beautiful. It's like part of why life is so beautiful is that it is fleeting.
2: hmm Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and just that whole process is is uncomfortable, right? Because it leads to this death, but... It's also the source of this beauty. So I think I'm learning. I'm just learning that those two sides are very connected. And that it's one big package. But it's very messy.
2: <sighs> messy it is. <laughs> <laughs> messy
1: it is.
2: But I mean that that's such a great point. Um, I think, especially as you know, we're transitioning soon into Aquarius season, um, honoring our trauma. I think Aquarius in a lot of ways too, is about our not only personal trauma, but our collective trauma and how that strengthens community and how Mm. that instills hope and we have to honor that to have those things.
1: Oh, my God. That's so interesting because the frequency card that I pulled for the year was community.
2: Mm, wow. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a. that's a huge part of your work with this podcast. I think it's you're creating a community as well.
1: I am trying.
2: (laughs) No, no trying. You are succeeding. You are doing.
1: Oh, my God. Uh,
2: (laughs) I mean, it may it may only feel like you're trying, but it's it's happening.
1: (laughs) I think so. Slowly but surely. Very slowly.
2: (laughs) And I think what you said, too, about, you know, we don't have to be moving forward or moving at all in order to be worthy and in order to really be useful or stepping into our power. And I think the emperor, with the emperor year upon us, can teach us a lot about that too. If you think about a monarchy, a monarchy grows slowly over time. If you think in in myth and storytelling, Um, Figures like Alexander the Great, who, you know, in one generation try to quickly take on the world, they fall just as hard. And I think what the emperor teaches us about, you know, a true, truly being able to govern ourselves is that there's need for stability And there's need for sometimes just enduring and maintaining the boundaries of the realm in which our our own personal kingdom or the kingdom of our community. It's not about expanding that kingdom. It's not about going to war and, you know, taking on other lands. It's just about honoring and taking care of what we already have, which can appear as though we're standing still. And that we're not doing anything. But that's hard work to maintain ourselves, our bodies, our our relationships and connections. And so I think that's such a great point you brought up and really important to remember, especially this year.
1: Totally. It's so, it takes so much energy to just maintain.
2: It really does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like just feeding myself. I'm like, ah, oh, three meals a day. <laughs>
2: Right? Showering. Like showering. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, and I think too, having just come from like an Empress hanged man year having to do with creation and birth and abundance and um that discomfort, it makes me think of the discomfort of literally giving birth, which I haven't experienced yet. Um but just metaphorically also how much maintenance it takes to go through that process and then to maintain a life that cannot care for itself. Um, I think anyone who, you know, has a animal as part of their family could also probably see this as like it, there's a lot of, a lot of maintenance, a lot of day-to-day things um, a lot of messy parts of ruling of taking authority over ourselves that are really necessary and just unavoidable
1: it's also such a pr- process to like figure out like what you need I feel like it's mm-hmm. a very big like trial and error thing absolutely Because we always like to look at, like, what society tells us we need, or maybe not always like to, but, like, there's so much programming coming at us about, like, this is what stability is, but then really, like, figuring out your own, like, rules and how you want to live your life is, like, real freedom, right?
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, so much. Yes, <laughs> that's so beautifully put, so on point. Um, again, I just I'm relating and I keep having this imagery of kingdoms like throughout time in the United States, we have you know a democracy, a, a president in the UK, they have a monarchy. These are different systems that at that moment for whatever reason or what that country that land needs and that changes over time and that makes me think of us as you know our body literally as a landscape um our psyche too and what i need is going to be different than what you need anna and that's going to be different than you know whoever's listening to this And that's also going to shift what we needed five years ago may not be what we need now. And so I think that's also such an amazing point, especially related to the emperor and having the emperor is about boundaries. But I think it's also about having flexible enough boundaries that can shift with us.
1: Yes. And like being able to grow. Cause like that growing pains idea comes to mind cause it's not always comfortable.
2: Yeah. And I uh, most, feel most of the time it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's also like, it's more comfortable to stay where you are. But I think like true growth comes when you get out of that comfort zone And it's not always like the prettiest and it doesn't happen quickly. I think that's where like the Capricorn thing comes in where it's like it usually takes a while and a lot of people will start doubting you and being like, why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But then over time, it's like you end up showing up as your true self and you have more fulfillment and hopefully things start falling into place.
2: Absolutely. And I think Capricorn teaches us that no one else needs to understand but us. Yes. And I think that's the true actualization of the Capricorn archetypal energy is that...
1: That is high vibe Capricorn.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, it's knowing and knowing that what you are doing is enough regardless of the accolades or approval outside of yourself
1: yes Uh,
2: and that that's not easy for anyone but for those who have capricorn in their chart especially astelliums i think more so that's something we're here to really learn about in this lifetime
1: oh my god totally because like the people pleasing thing especially (laughs) with like the father archetype yes yes and you're feeling like, oh, I got to, like, I got to please daddy. <laughs> I got to yeah. please my Saturn daddy.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's, yeah, it's so true. The, you know, those issues we have with those energies. Um, I definitely have a lot of them growing up without a father. I have daddy issues from not having one. <laughs> So it definitely also, I I totally relate to that. I have and sat, uh, Saturn daddy. <laughs> Dude, two.
1: those things are real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really like coming into your own. Like, how can you be your own daddy? Like, how can definitely. you like parent yourself? And I think that like happens around Saturn returns for everybody. Like you're becoming an adult. That was such a source of grief for me last year. I think yeah, and it's that was so
2: interesting. Like, that was a devil year for you, you said, right?
1: Yes. So, like, freeing myself, really becoming an adult. A big part of it was stopping smoking weed. Um, I smoked weed for like 10 years, so like a decade. And I, for lack of a better term, got like a big download. That said, I need to stop. And I did. It was very abrupt and quick and weird. and How are you feeling now, having stopped? I feel amazing. It's been a couple months. And I'd say it was so much easier than I thought it would be, which is very devil, right? Mm -hmm. Like this thing that, I don't know. It was probably over, I think, for years before I actually let it be done. You know what I mean? That shedding. Yeah. I was very reluctant to shed, um, but I think it was like that past shed where it was kind of rotting, and I was kind of avoiding the smell. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, let it go. And I think that that was another big like hanged man moment, like very uncomfortable. I didn't want to let it go. I was very attached. It was a big part of my identity, too, I think is very devil centric, like what we think makes us us.
0: Mm, And mm -hmm. really,
1: it's not. It's like we're way more than the identities or the masks that we put on that we think that we need. Absolutely. Um, And I feel great. I feel like a whole new human. I feel a lot less anxious. Um And not saying that there's anything wrong with weed, it was just ended up being wrong for me at that point.
2: Yeah, no, and I, that's amazing. I I think that's, it can be really hard, especially when we're attached to something. And as you said, we've kind of interwoven our identity with it to leave it behind. Even if we know it's not serving us or it's hurting us, that comfort is a really strong pull.
1: Totally. Because I mean, the devil, you know, rather than the devil, you don't.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <sighs> I can get very punny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're punny and funny. Yes.
1: What um, What year? Well, when is your birthday? My birthday is
2: coming up January 27th.
1: So are you an Aquarius?
2: I am an Aquarius.
1: Ooh. So <laughs> what year are you going into and what year are you completing?
2: Um, my personal tarot years or? Yes. So I think, let me see. I'm going into, was it temperance? I think Ooh. I haven't, I haven't yet done my deep dive into this work because Being born January 27th and the Gregorian um, New Year, the new calendar year being the first, I always utilize that three weeks to a month from the new year to my birthday to kind of do a deep dive into the year I'm leaving behind and the year that I'm entering into. That's kind of like this liminal period for me where I really give myself the freedom and the time to explore these things and kind of hit pause as, as we were talking about, not worry about doing or creating, you know, just allowing myself to be, allowing myself to, to hit pause and not worry about growing or not worry about you know, the hype of the new year and making all these resolutions, which feels really overwhelming to me.
1: I love that. That's so Aquarian. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, fuck this new year. I'll grow at my own pace. (laughs) Uh, but, But, and that's how it
2: started, though. Funny enough, it started as this, which I don't think the rebel archetype is as interwoven with Aquarius as... It is now in this new age. I think the root of the Aquarius archetype, it can have some of those qualities, but I don't think it's as interwoven as it's put out to be. But I definitely did start that tradition as a, you know, F this. like I, I, This is how I'm supposed to do things, which means I'm not going to do it that way.
1: <laughs> I love that. Are you very like full centric? I,
2: the fool is my, my favorite card.
1: Ooh, I see that.
2: Um, it's I, well, favorite. I mean, it's the card I resonate with most right now. And for the past few years, because I love, I, you mentioned earlier masks. And I think that every tarot card is just the fool wearing a mask Ooh, Um, on its journey through this, what you said, the spiralic labyrinth um, through the tarot, through individuation or actualization. So I like the Fool because it's unmasked, it's raw, it's to me, it's in a class of its own in the tarot because of that unique property it has, um, which I like. <laughs>
1: I like that, too. Do you have any stories of, like, a masked story, like, of tarot, like, stepping into an archetype and kind of having an experience or, like, dance with that energy?
2: Hmm, That's a great question, yes um but instead of going into a specific story i think just the journey of transitioning between archetypes i think the way we think of archetypes is limiting in that especially even zodiacally because every month we're moving into a new solar archetype is that you know, on the 21st or the 22nd of the month, we're leaving that archetype behind and we're stepping into a new one. And the same can be said with tarot, um, the, the archetypes of the years, even when you're doing a tarot reading. Archetypes, they have boundaries, but they're boundaries that we can move through. They're not... It's not like a brick wall that can't be penetrated. And so in that sense, I think there's a liminal aspect between archetypes where they bleed into each other. Mm. And there's this shape-shifting quality, I feel, with working with archetypes. And so I think just the general story of, for me, feeling that in-between phase of archetypal work And through that kind of creating and embodying my own personal exploration of that archetype, because that's another thing with archetypes, there's no right or wrong. Um, There are collective archetypes and that's what we're exploring with the Zodiac and with the tarot and a lot of other systems, um, including young, but we also have a, a personal relationship to these archetypes and where we make them our own. And other people don't need to understand that. And so working with them on my own has been really potent. Um, A few years ago, I did this uh, self portrait series through photography and poetry, exploring an archetype that I had been working with for, I worked with it for about three years. I actually just left it behind in the past eight months, which was the dark mermaid archetype.
1: Ooh, tell me more. <laughs>
0: um,
2: kind of, you know, working with the siren energy, the, the mermaid in the depths of the ocean, in the depths of the womb, um, this darker, more mysterious calling of the archetype, that was unique to me, and that I had to really go below the surface to, to work with. Um, That was a time of me exploring, elementally, water, my emotions. Um, allowing myself to step into my emotions, especially because this was at the height of my crisis counseling. And so, you know, there's a lot of nights I'd come home crying, (laughs) um, processing what I wasn't able to process in the moment of working with someone. You know, you can't in the middle of being with someone be like, oh, excuse me, I, this is, I'm getting emotional about this. You know, <laughs>
1: this hold, hold too much. <laughs>
2: um, you have to put that aside. You have to just suck it up. I mean, you know, and, and, and you learn that that's part of why you're trained in these things, because that's not a normal way of being. We're not normally expected to just disregard our own feelings although in this society we kind of are but (laughs) um so i would come home a lot of nights i'd cry i i used to smoke cigarettes i would chain smoke to cope with my feelings and so part of exploring this dark mermaid archetype was exploring my emotional realm in a really safe space that i could enter um that, that was open to me at a time when I wasn't really in a professional capacity being able to do that, um, except when I was debriefing about certain interactions that left me especially raw. And then this was also a time I went through yoga teacher training. So I was exploring the earth of um, my body. And in that in those two I was exploring mud which to me was kind of this murky realm where this dark mermaid existed
1: oh my god this feels so Capricorn <laughs> it I kind know of it's died, like it? emotions but thinking about like a sea goat, yes and how I've also heard that like Capricorn is very good at compartmentalizing which I really relate to like mm. being a little like put those emotions aside to get a task done. But I think like really high vibe is like going back to those emotions to really process them in time.
2: Yes, absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Now maybe I might have to bring this back up and work with it a little more knowing that
1: Yes, it feels (laughs) so Capricorn. Like I feel like it should just be called the dark mermaid instead of Capricorn. (laughs) I
2: love it. And that definitely is that could be I mean, we think of mermaids, which they're not, but we think of them as a lot more feminine energy, which I think is something that can stump a lot of people working with Capricorn is that it's traditionally thought of with that masculine energy. Um, And especially going, you know, with the way the world is going now with gender identity and how fluid it is. Totally. We're kind of moving away from seeing things and archetypes as gendered, which they're not, they're neutral. Mm-hmm. We, we give them gender to, to make it more easily comprehensible for us because that's for so many you know, centuries how we've been exploring ourselves and the world is through this idea of gender. Um, but as we're moving away from that, I like that being able to explore first with different gender and then getting into a place of really being neutral without it.
1: Yes.
2: So that's that could that's a, a great exercise. Um, what you were talking about with Capricorn, being able to compartmentalize and the sea goat, a lot of people forget Capricorn isn't the goat, it's the sea goat. It's this mystical, being the supernatural animal and Capricorn is connected in large part to the Sumerian god um, Enki and what Enki does in a lot of ways and I think what Capricorn does is and the sea goat it goes into the depths of the seminal waters of you know, the subconscious of source of God, if you want to call it that to hydrate its own motivation and inspiration and bring that back up to the earthy surface to manifest it. I think Capricorn, especially as a cardinal sign is all about manifesting, but to manifest, you need to reconnect with source and then it's Capricorn's experience to disconnect by individuating itself in the in the real physical world
1: oh my god yes and manifesting something of purpose which i feel like is where like the divinity and connection comes into and i think that's why they talk about like yeah you could climb any mountain but what are you going to climb like what actually like gives you fulfillment what is really your truth to manifest like and no one looks the same so you can't look to somebody else it's like you need to go into that dark water yourself because it's not going to be reflected back to you through somebody else it's like it's really what you know what is your purpose to show up as Ah, I just love That's what you good, said.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm so inspired by you. And I love, um, you know, as you're talking too, I it's opening my mind. and getting, you know, things that maybe I've never said out loud, but I've thought are kind of manifesting and actualizing. <laughs> um, and also things that I haven't even thought of that, you know, you're... You're helping me tap into, and it's it's incredible. I'm I'm enjoying so much our conversation. Um, I'm feeling like I don't ever want it to end.
1: <laughs> how do but, you are you, yeah? Do you need a do you have like a time limit? Because I don't know. No, no, okay. I don't. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm
2: good. I'm good.
1: Did you? How do you feel? Like cancer, like balances out Capricorn or complements it. Or, I don't know, any any thoughts?
2: Great question, and I'm so glad you bring that up because I think an important part of working with especially the zodiacal archetypes is taking into account the opposite archetype um, as both medicine for it and completion, kind of like the yin-yang.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Neither one is better than the other, Um But they're both necessary kind of for that integration and completion and wholeness. Um, We all have all 12 archetypes within us, regardless of whether you have planets in those places in your chart. Um, But I think that the Cancer archetype very much is important to work with when you're working with Capricorn energy and vice versa especially in what I was talking about before entering those primordial waters, that's the realm of cancer. That is where we go to reconnect. Cancer is, you know, especially it's all about reconnecting to source, reconnecting to self, hydrating ourselves, nourishing ourselves. And, What Capricorn then does with that, it needs to tap into that to then bring that up to the surface and manifest it. If it doesn't have that to dip into, it's kind of like what you were talking about. It's manifesting without purpose.
1: I think that's why so many people are unfulfilled. It's like they go after this dream of like, They don't really like tap into their own soul and they're like, oh, I just need to get married and have kids and then I'll be like fulfilled. And then they do that and they manifest all these things, but it's not really like their soul's calling. And then they're like, oh, I'm so unhappy. And then you have all of these like midlife crises.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, Yeah, no, definitely. And, And I think the same is true for those with you know prominent cancer archetypes is that they have that natural inclination to reconnect but it's then important to disconnect or individuate using that capricorn energy which may or may not come as naturally because that shows you the purpose of being in those waters of being in that imaginal realm, we can't just exist there. Um, And so for Capricorn, the challenge is to go into those waters, to then bring it out, and as you said, to manifest with purpose. And I think for Cancer, they're already there in those imaginal waters, but their purpose is to then bring it out. And to at some times disconnect and individuate and separate themselves. Um, Whereas, you know, which can be really uncomfortable, like whatever doesn't come naturally to you is, is uncomfortable, but that's part of the process of growth. As you talked about earlier, that discomfort and kind of honoring that and not running away from it, which is another huge part of, crisis counseling and another huge part of just I think being a human being who has to be in relationship with other human beings is you have to be okay with being uncomfortable you're gonna you know you might meet someone every day every week but surely you'll meet someone consistently who will make you uncomfortable and that's just something we have to learn how to be okay with
1: Why do you think manifesting is important?
2: I think manifesting is important because we are embodied creatures. We are a manifestation. Um, And I think that being in this form, being human, is a gift. It's hard. It comes with a lot of challenges. But it's a gift because since we're given an embodied form, we're given the potential to then manifest and create in this physical realm, which other beings aren't necessarily given that. And so I think it's important for everyone to manifest. And this doesn't mean you have to manifest something great and big and you know it's not about quantity it's not about size um it could be manifesting a meal for someone you love every night
1: oh i love that
2: um, you know it can be manifesting a stable home um, you know even if that's in projects or you know public housing it that doesn't matter but manifesting something whatever it is, I think.
1: Manifesting what you value.
2: Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Manifesting what you value. And that ties into the emperor because it's aligning your values with what you're manifesting. Yes. And I think that's what, you know, that's what we're here to do as humans given a body And everyone is, you know, differently able-bodied, but, and so, you know, again, that's kind of what you were talking about. For one person, it's it's not the same as another. For some, everybody has
1: different values.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for someone who is blind or is, you know, has the experience of living through a wheelchair, they're not going to be able to do the same things that someone fully able-bodied is able to do and vice versa. You know, it, every challenge brings with it, every experience brings with it unique gifts that you can offer that someone else can't. And it's important to find that.
1: So That's- true. What do you think about the chariot and the devil? Do you think they, like, connect at all? Thinking about, like, their ruling cancer capricorn
2: Absolutely. I think I think that all the tarot cards work in tandem together or can, but I do think that the chariot in a large way is our will and the devil is our ability to overcome that. To free ourselves from to free ourselves from the direction that either we may take ourselves or that life may take us. Right? Because there are some things we don't have control over. I mean, yes, we have control over our perspective and you know how we respond to things, but at the same time, as someone who's experienced a lot of trauma um, and who's worked with people in trauma and in, st- in states of crisis, that's not something in that moment you do have control over. Um, you know, over time, you slowly build up that level of control, but sometimes life takes you in places that you don't. And I think the devil card is like whether or not the chariot, your will, you've brought yourself there or kind of life has taken over and brought you there. It's, you then have the ability to to free yourself in some way um, and to really experience that freedom. And again, that choice, like coming from the lover's card too, I think with the lovers and the devil being very connected in my eyes, Um, regardless of where they are in numerological value in a linear fashion, all the cards, as we talked about, kind of this spiralic journey, in which case, you know, you could experience the devil before you experience the emperor in a situation or in a lived experience. So, I definitely would say they're just kind of uh, they're connected um, and have to do with that connection disconnection what idea. You,
1: what do you think about? I loved that first of all, and then I'm going to be greedy and ask you about. What do you think about the Emperor and Justice? Like the same sort of the idea like Aries and Libra? Hmm. Such great
2: questions. And I'd love to hear your take on them too. Um,
1: I don't think I could give a better answer than you gave. (laughs) That was so
2: good. It's not a lot better. It's different. And, you know, it's. There's always something to learn from, and I'd love to learn from you.
1: Um, I don't know if I even have any thoughts about it.
2: I'm trying to think because this is such a great question, and I I would never
1: thought about it.
2: Yeah, (laughs) me me neither. Really. (laughs) Um, why I'm a little off guard and stumped, but I love this, and I would definitely encourage if anyone is. Listening yeah, tell to us
1: your thoughts.
2: <laughs> and inspired to even pause this and think about it for yourself. Because I think also with things like this, it's so easy to be biased based on what we're told and, you know, someone else's thoughts. It's We can easily embody someone else's stories for our own, which I feel like we've also talked about today.
1: that feels a little bit like emperor justice because i feel like justice is really like getting down to your truth like really accepting what's going on and then like deciding what you're gonna do about it and it almost brings in that emperor quality and I feel like it's involving the collective. Like, how do you want to be an emperor to the collective? And that kind of like creates, like you were saying, like that third or no, you weren't saying this, but somebody else was saying this where it's like these two things that come together and they make like a third mm. entity.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and
1: it so creates true. like this whole new thing.
2: Yes, I totally agree with that. Um I think any two things come together kind of create this own entity. And I think that's shown really obviously in the world through birth, right? Through
1: Oh yes, <laughs> that's it. such I a mean- great example. <laughs>
2: Um, so I'm trying to think, what is what are the parents of these two cards and what's the baby that they birth? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love your interpretation of that. And I do think that while the emperor is a lot about our own authority, over ourselves and boundaries and self discipline and in a large way too self love um yes there there's this quote and I've used it so much and yet I still cannot remember the author of it um I think on Instagram there your new frequency is their handle but self Discipline is the highest form of self-love. Which I love for the emperor. Um, And then when you take into account justice or Libra energy, which is about balancing. And when you balance something, you weigh its value.
1: Yes.
2: And so there's this aspect of To discipline ourselves, we need priorities, right? We can't discipline ourselves in everything. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's not possible. We need our attention, our energy to flow in certain spaces. And I think justice helps us to really weigh what are those areas, what are those priorities and those values of our truth that are really worth the effort
1: Yes, of
2: sharing. Um, just kind of off the top of my head, that's kind of what, what comes to mind. And I definitely, after this, I'm gonna do more work on it because I love this idea that you've brought up and I love this concept. And um, it's so much fun to see what comes up in exploring this because it's kind of like giving yourself your own tarot reading or, you know, doing some form of personal work because my answer is going to be different than yours. Right. We're, we're filtering it, filtering it through our own systems. And that's, that's what makes our message
1: unique. Totally and I also feel like that idea like I love that quote you said on discipline and the idea that like what are we I don't know I think of like when we better ourselves whatever that means to us it ripples out into the collective because whoever then you talk to then your experience is going to be different you show up differently It's like you're leading differently.
2: Yes. And you're totally totally right
1: where it's like whatever. It's like we're weighing like what is actually important that we want to show up to more fully. Like, yeah, I love that. Oh, my God.
2: No, absolutely. Um, I so true and so important and. I agree that kind of doing our own work, it does trickle out into the collective. Um, One of the morals of Capricorn that I wrote in a post um, not too long ago was self-mastery ensures collective growth. Yes. And I think that can apply for the emperor and justice as well when we're able to really reign over our own personal kingdom, our own values, our own actions, our own beliefs and thoughts and emotional landscape, when we really can master that, um, that ensures that our truth can help shape the bigger landscape of the collective, of our world, of our culture and community.
1: That is a great point. I think of like the cliche saying, um, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. It might be cliche, but
1: it's... (laughs) It's true though. It it never
2: fails.
1: (laughs) Also, what is his name? Um, Jordan Peterson talks about cleaning up your own room. Like this idea that you can only really... like creating order which I really think about with the emperor and like cleaning up your own physical space around you whether that be like your relationships yourself like whatever you need to work on you need to like work on yourself first and then you can kind of help change that in other people or not necessarily help change that but I don't know like everything in your space is then taken care of so then you're able to like I don't know, create more change in the world, I guess.
2: Absolutely. I, I And I love that imagery of, you know, one of the things you learn as a child, I mean, hopefully, um, is to clean your room, to put your toys away, to make your bed, um, you know, to maybe Put your dishes in the sink. Maybe as you get older, you learn to actually wash them or put (laughs) them in the dishwasher. I mean, maybe not, but and see, going back into my Capricorn stellium in the second house with like material things, this is one of the hardest things throughout my life. A pattern of these are things that were always very hard for me to do, um, to take care of my possessions, my personal space. But I love that imagery of, you know, when you are able to master and kind of order something on a small scale, it helps teach you how to do it on a larger scale.
1: Yes. Global change. Yeah.
2: And and I think that's why we're humans and why we exist and why we're given bodies in, in an embodied experience. Because. When we learn how to take care of our own body, our own flesh, our own earth, our own air in our thoughts and relationships, our own water in, you know, the emotional realm, our own fire in our inspiration, motivation, our will, um, our spiritual side. When we're learning to do that, we learn how to care for the earth on a larger scale and all these things that like we're a reflection of everything outside of us, just on a very small manageable scale that we can comprehend and work
1: with. Totally. And then we start to like value ourselves because I think that's really important. Like just like you're talking about like showing value to the things around us. It's like also then we start to see like, oh, we're of value too. And I don't mean to sound like, like duh, but like it's so hard to have good self esteem in the world. Like, you know, it's hard to, I don't know, maybe not for everybody, but definitely for me, it's been a part of my experience, like really learning to value myself and take care of myself and just know that I'm worthy of taking care of because. I mean, that's where, like, discipline comes from, right? Is, like, knowing that you're worthy of being taken care of.
2: Absolutely. And taking care of yourself regardless of whether in that moment you feel worthy, too. Yes. I think it's the discipline side of it.
1: Just showing up regardless.
2: Yeah. And, and I, t- I mean, it's been my experience, too. Thank you for sharing. But I do think especially with generations now... It's even more so, and I'm not going to say everyone because I can't speak for anyone but myself, but just the patterns I see, especially with social media and technology and, um, you know, all these things we have access to. I think it makes it a lot easier to, again, compare ourselves in all these outlets which are only showing the best of someone else in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. And this curated vision of humanity, which, you know, the glamour is nice to experience, but we're under this illusion that it's reality when it's not. And I think that makes it even harder to see ourselves as worthy when we are seeing ourselves in the darkest moments. And we're comparing our darkest moments with someone else's shining moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think maybe a hundred years ago when there wasn't this type of access, it might've been easier to have that type of self-esteem and feelings of self-worth. I think now, especially for the youth, I, you know, I have a young uh, niece and I'm so glad I didn't grow up with, you know, at, eight years old, Instagram and all these things, because it seems like a whole new set of challenges that just seem really difficult. Um, I mean, they're difficult to navigate as an adult, so I can't imagine navigating it as a young child.
1: (laughs) I feel like it would be even harder to, like, get that emperor... Archetype or really embody that emperor archetype with having social media so young because you're never like disconnected from the collective. It's like, I mean, I guess you're choosing not to be, but I mean, social media addiction is a real thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And like creating that container to like take time for yourself. Because I think that's, like, something that's taught or you have to learn to do. And it's not, like, an inherent, I don't know, an inherent idea, especially with how accessible technology is.
2: I agree. And I think it is a choice. And I think what you said about it being a choice, though, um with social media is yes it's a choice maybe to not disconnect but is it or does it feel like one when everyone is on it and making that choice to disconnect would um you know cast you out of the tribe yeah i mean you know it's it's
1: not i mean that probably feels like death as an eight-year-old yeah I mean
2: no but you
1: know and it's I think what we
2: want as humans too is to fit in to belong somewhere and that's another lesson of Capricorn it's we all belong somewhere Um, and we all do have a purpose and finding it could take a lifetime and it's not about actually finding it and reaching that place it's just about journeying to get there and not giving up in that sense but yeah, I mean, you know, when when the only other option to not do something is to be ostracized for it, or to be marginalized, or as you said, to be cast out um, of a support system, or you know, a safety network of other people, it it's not really a choice. You know, it's it's it becomes almost impossible because why would you want to do that to yourself? Even if, even if it's uncomfortable to stay there, it makes me think of mean girls, the movie.
1: Yes.
2: When, you know, she hates Lindsay Lohan's character hates being friends with um, Rachel McAdams, but it's better to be in like in the in crowd than it is to to be out of it and to kind of just take that. And I think that that's a great lesson. I mean, I, I'm laughing that I'm making Mean Girls this deep. I mean, I think it is. Um, it's based on a really interesting book, Queen Bees and Wannabes, if anyone's interested. But yeah, I think it's a, a lesson for humanity too, though, about the struggles we face um, day to day in the connection and disconnection of the Cancer Capricorn archetype opposition.
1: Ooh, this is all so interesting.
2: I love it. I could talk about this stuff all day, every day.
1: (laughs) Me too. It's so much fun when you have somebody who like knows all the language and has such interesting ideas.
2: (sighs) Oh, and and I love being prompted by you and all your input. Um, I almost I almost wanna say we should talk more like maybe not on a podcast, but
1: just to talk. Yes, anytime. Oh my god. I am available. Okay, but I cut you off before and we went on a tangent. So what have you learned through having a business with Tarot? And then also, or is it just tarot or is it like intuitive
0: things
1: or tell us more? And then also, (laughs) how did you find tarot and whatever also modalities that you're going to tell us about? And then, (laughs) (laughs) and also what are your goals to, or like, what are your hopes to like grow into with it?
2: Okay. So Sacred mirrors is I I've started out reading tarot um, since I'm in the very beginning of my business and you know, you have to root somewhere. You have to start somewhere. Um, There has to be a seed that grows. You can't just start as this great big Oak. Um, So I do intuitively read tarot, but The way my business is growing and kind of tied into my goals is that my offerings utilize tarot, but they're not solely dependent or based on tarot. So it's using tarot, astrology. Um, I do a lot of dream work as well in the imaginal realm. So Uh, That incorporates kind of waking imagination, waking, dreaming, um, journeying, kind of going into other realms. Um, I don't like to use the word shamanism in my practice, but that is what's most closely associated. And using other modalities, my other skill set. I'm a Reiki master, I'm a certified yoga teacher. I've done apprenticeships in aromatherapy um, and I've dabbled in crystal healing. I'm a lifelong learner. I just, for me in my own healing, There's never any one thing that's going to work for me at any given time. And so my thought process is, well, why would there be for someone else who seeks out my services? Um, Tarot isn't always going to be what's most helpful for them or astrology or, you know, place modality here. We are ever-changing and growing, and I think what needs to be offered to us is two, and that's kind of what I'm trying to curate. Not that I'm an expert in any one thing, but I'm an artist. I'm trying to weave these together.
1: So are you a Sag rising? Sagittarius? Yes. Yes, Yes, I see it.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love that you caught on. So knowledgeable. Um,
1: a wide fire firestorm of knowledge.
2: Yeah, and then my Gemini moon just makes me. I, oh my god! Um, yes, I, I see it. <laughs> and my Mars is in Gemini too, so
1: ooh, so feisty.
2: My activity is—it's hard to be at rest.
1: <laughs> I mean, it gives you like such a wide range of skills.
2: Yes. No. Definitely. And I, you know, I only really go into depth of the things that really resonate with me. And at the time, um, my hope is that my business isn't grows into not just being a tarot business or astrology. My pillars are storytelling, archetypes, and symbolism. And so, anything, any modality in which these can be expressed, which is almost anything. I mean, you could express those modalities in you know, being an engineer, making cars, I, it, there's no, I happen to just be drawn to the more esoteric, um, practices, but these can be explored in any practice. And so offering sessions, um, and then eventually my goal is to teach, but that's probably a while away. Um, you doesn't know, doesn't
1: seem it, like it. <laughs>
2: Well, I think it takes a lot to truly to to hold that responsibility of teaching, and you know, while I've been working with people for five or so years, um, I I've only started my business less than a year ago, and. I think the journey, again, this is the Capricorn that, you know, it just, it takes time. I may not want it to, and I may want to actualize and manifest all these ideas and things that call to me. But especially with this emperor year, I think really getting in alignment and getting clear on what I have the authority and what I have the space to hold and the weight of the responsibility of doing these things and not taking that lightly um, is is important for me right now in my practice. So just continuing to work with people, learn from them. I I learn so much. Um I'm learning so much right now talking with you. I learn so much from my interactions with my clients. Uh, sometimes i feel like i learn more from them than i'm i'm able to give them um, and when i was teaching yoga i i studied i studied the practice of yoga my daily practice was for my clients it was so i could be as knowledgeable as i could could be, um, and really embody the practice to be able to offer it to others, uh, in the most responsible and accurate way I could. And I taught for myself because teaching was a way for me to express all that I'd accumulated and a way for me to really express myself, my experience, and share with others. And so I feel like that has trickled into my business now, which is the same thing that I, I study and I learn for my clients, for the people who may benefit from my work. And I teach or I give sessions really for myself. So it's a beautiful interaction, I think. Um, That may seem counterintuitive, but that's kind of just how it manifests for me.
1: No, I love that. I mean, I totally think we grow through other people, like bumping up against other people. I was listening to something about like back in the day we would distance ourselves or like a monk would like go into a monastery and be Like, not of the world. Mm. But you can kind of only grow so much through that because then you're not being reflected back with like who you are through interactions. So, when we're able to like be in the world, we end up like growing so much through our interactions and our relationships because we're being, you know, reflected back all the time with who we are.
2: Absolutely. I, that's so on point. And I, I try to embody that. I I do. I think that we are reflected back through everything, which is part of why I named my business sacred mirrors. I think everything is a sacred mirror which reflects us back to it, um, but I also think that we do. We need to connect with our body. We need to connect with ourselves, not abandon it or try to transcend it. It, you know, the actualization is not in going above or transcending our body or our physical form. It's embracing it.
1: Yes.
2: And maybe that's all that, the, you know, my earthy stellium.
1: (laughs) No, it's so hard to do that. That's such a big lesson. It is. Really accepting ourselves.
2: Yeah. Like a lifelong journey. And I think that's definitely another part of, especially my personal practice um, is, It's about the journey, not the destination and just embracing the steps along the way without getting too fixated on where is it taking me or, you know, what, what's the end result because that can be so overwhelming, so (laughs)
1: overwhelming
2: and just unrealistic. And, you know, we may not live long enough to see the end result of, of a lot of the work we put in and that's okay. It doesn't mean it's not worthy. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we failed.
1: Okay. So there's one more topic I want to go over. Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk about all your dream work that you do. Cause that's amazing. And I started doing a lot of dream work, maybe like a couple of months ago and it has completely changed my life and it's amazing how quickly it works.
2: Amazing. Yes.
1: And it's so mystical. (laughs) And I want to know any like experiences you have or any tips for people if they want to maybe start working with their dreams or any ideas around that. And also, do you think like we go places in our dreams do you think there's other dimensions in our dreams do you think that we're contacted by spirits in our dreams any and all of those questions so
2: yes I mean from the few that you just asked I do think that we can journey in our dreams to other realms I do think we can be visited by allies, spirits, demons, other, you know, shadow aspects of ourself. Um, I think the dream world is the imaginal world and it is a, a layer, a realm where archetypes, symbolisms, where these things exist and they have their own form. They exist separate from us. We don't create a dream into being. We don't create a story or an archetype. These things exist without us. Um, And so we are in equal relationship to them. We are not controlling them. Um, It is like any other relationship with a spouse, um, with a friend, with a parent, with an animal. Uh, there's no ownership, it, it should be in a healthy exchange, it should be of equal power, dynamic. And I think that we can enter this realm, we enter it in dreams, whether we remember our dreams or not, or work with them. And we can also enter them in guided visualizations in you know, waking life, Um, or even when we daydream, there's a lot of different ways we can access this place. And I think specifically in nighttime dreaming, um, when a, a practice that, and I don't do this every day, and I don't think it's necessary to do every day, but keeping a dream journal has been very helpful to me. And this doesn't have to be super intricate or long or complex. Um, I do have a physical dream journal that I keep, but it's not always by my bed. And, you know, I live with a partner who sleeps in the same bed as me, and sometimes I'm not going to turn on the light in order for me to write. So sometimes what I do, first thing when I wake up, is I open my phone, and in a notes app, I I just start writing. I write t- sometimes I only write down words. I had a dream within the past week, and by the time I got to documenting it, all I remembered was sharks. Sharks mm. in the ocean chasing me. That's all I remembered. And that's enough to work with. I mean, obviously, the more information you have, um, the more you can do with it. But just having something as simple as that is enough to work with and start to contemplate, well, and and not rush to like, you know, the internet and be like, what does dreaming of sharks mean? That can be fun to do, but before you do that, just examining how do I feel about sharks? What does this symbolism mean to me? What, even if I don't remember how I felt in the dream, What would I feel like right now being chased by sharks? And these are things that they're sending a message to us. And I think just recognizing that is the first step to working with it. You don't have to work further with it. Um, Like anything else, like any other skill, it's a skill. And it needs to be practiced and it needs to be worked on. And it takes time. And so even just acknowledging it, I think is really powerful. And it helps us reconnect with this inner Imaginarium, this mythopoetic place where these things exist. And being able to meet them there helps us bring it into the physical reality that we experience um dream work is not separate from physical work from the sensory experience it is very much dependent on our senses and our physical body
1: Mm, it makes me think of capricorn again (laughs) (laughs) you're like everything's capricorn it's so true though (laughs) especially Um, in your second house with it being like all about senses with Taurus yeah I it can be
2: I mean again my second house is Capricorn so while there is loose affiliation with just the general zodiacal um, Taurus it yeah no but I I see what you're saying and totally i i can also see the capricorn in the sense of you know the marrying of that that deep imaginal realm with our body the deep imaginal realm being cancer and the body being more capricorn of our senses of the physical world
1: mhm i love how you said they're, that they're not separate and that the 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 waking life and the nighttime life are not separate.
2: Yeah, no, they're, I mean, they're really not. Like, they're different layers, yes. But they're not complete separate entities. You don't have to leave your body to experience and embody the dream world. Um, It, I, I think that's a misconception in working with dreams. Um, and one that's not really helpful to us being able to learn from their messages.
1: Have you ever done yoga Nidra?
2: I have. And, um, it, it's definitely an interesting experience. Um, that is a way of accessing the imaginal realm as well. It is a meditative. So is, you know, hypnosis. Um, there's a lot of ways in which we access this realm. What, it's what's your different experience?
1: modalities, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe even different layers within that realm. Um, it's kind of like, I think of it as, you know, the different layers within our body. They're still our body. Totally. But, you know, we have flesh, we have... Um, I was about to say and organs, but <laughs> our skin is an organ. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, anatomy is not my strong suit for anyone who's listening, who it might be. Um, but just the point I'm trying to make is you know, everything is interconnected anyway. We are all, you know, the seven billion or so people are one face of source or God we're only one part of this greater cosmic soul and this dream world is and all the different ways we experience it is again just one facet of you know one thread of a whole tapestry
1: do you ever make art from your dreams
2: I do yes um I make art I'd say more than my nighttime dreams, though, the times that I access this realm in the, the waking life, too. Um, and I think that art, poetry, writing, speech, cooking, I mean, there's so many different ways to then express what you experience, too, uh, which can be really empowering as well, because it's it's as the emperor, it's taking responsibility of your experience.
1: I feel so inspired to take my daydreaming more seriously.
2: (laughs) Yes, no, totally. And especially if you're not directing it, like if you're really allowing yourself to be open, to be receptive, to allow the dream world to come to you, um, as opposed to sitting there and dictating where the dream is going to go and dictating the outcome you want to have, which would be, let's say, lucid dreaming, um, you can get a lot of potent messages that extend beyond the ego, of you know, when you're trying to really direct something, when you're just allowing it to come.
1: Do you think that's the same thing as, like, the Akashic Records?
2: I don't know that much about the Akashic Records. Um, So I don't think it's in my scope to really talk about that. But that definitely is such an interesting modality. Um, To my knowledge, it's all about accessing kind of this cosmic soul knowledge. and so I do think it's possible that that is, you know, another form of the imaginal realm, but I don't know because I don't know that much about it. Um, but it's definitely something that could be interesting to, you know, look more into and explore with. Totally what i'm curious what your experience with yoga nidra is um since you brought it up or even the akashic records or any of you know the things that we've kind of
1: discussed yoga nidra i love it's so relaxing and i feel like i just astral travel like everywhere one time i felt like i turned into a bird oh wow and then i had like i like opened my eyes and then i had this like feather on my mat no way and it was probably like on my clothes or something and like just like came in with me but it was still very spooky doogie that's definitely some
2: type of symbol though right? speaking to you
1: totally so that kind of like kick started i feel like this idea of like speaking my truth And, like, Mm -hmm. this whole thing with, like, my voice. Because you think about, like, birds talking and, like, birds as messengers. So, I mean, I I totally think, like, daydreaming is just as powerful as nighttime dreaming. I don't know why, like, I'm not really, like, putting them. I never really, like, linked them together in my mind. But now that we're, like, exploring it, I totally agree with you. Um. And I find it, I find, like, I have an extremely active imagination, so it's not, it's not hard for me to kind of let myself go there. It almost, like, like, it's so easy that it almost feels like a little bit of anxiety, like, when you start feeling like you're leaving your body. Mm. Um like that idea like oh you're floating away and you're floating yeah. above the studio and you're floating over mountains <laughs> and I'm like oh I'm I'm gone
2: but you're using your body to do that journey and so in that sense you are the whole time doing that still connected to your body
1: totally and that yeah. and that almost makes it so weird like what yeah. is going on <laughs>
2: No, definitely. It 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 can be, you know, a really discombobulating experience and that's why it's a practice. Um, it's the imagination is a muscle, just like the heart is. It's something that, you know, it everyone has it to a certain degree, but for example, athletes, right, they have much stronger heart muscles than the average person because they exercise it. Totally. Um, And I think the same thing is true when, you know, especially doing dream work or even work within storytelling archetype symbolism, these all exist in the same realm. And the more you work with them, the stronger that muscle of imagination becomes for you. And, you know, the more you can gain from it. So it's just a practice. And again, I think, you know, for some people it comes easier than to others we're you know we all are born with different with a different starting point um fortunately and unfortunately (laughs) because it's that whole you know equality um but yeah so
1: the Akashic records I don't really know anything about them either except like what I've listened to other people talk about and I kind of like had this idea of is it just imagination? Mm. And in the rare time I sat my little ass down to meditate, and I was like, let me explore this. And I was like, <laughs> maybe something will come to me. And it was during this past Scorpio season, and Mercury was retrograde. And I feel like immediately it was like, oh, you're open to this? Okay. And I like got this picture in my mind where I was swimming like really, really, really far down into the ocean and I found like this treasure, treasure chest and I opened it up and there was this book and I took it out and it was kind of just like all of this light, like
2: Wow, That's sounds very Akashic Records,
1: right?
2: Yes, I mean, from you know the little I know about it, that.
1: Wow, <laughs> and it and then I like swam up to the top because I was like I can't breathe, and that was it. But I was kind of like, whoa, that was intense, and I I think it's just like it's also. Like, thinking about imagination, there's such a source of, like, discipline of the body. Like, Mm. whether it's to, like, sit down to meditate takes discipline to just, like, allow yourself to imagine.
0: Yeah. And then also, like,
1: it takes discipline to create from your imagination. Like, a lot of times I think of the emperor as the artist so like really yeah like really showing up to your desk every day to like draw or paint or whatever your practice is like even if you don't really feel like doing it or the inspiration isn't there yet like showing up to allow the inspiration to come so I don't know I think they're like so closely tied together I mean I guess I think again about the Capricorn Cancer like, it's also, <laughs> yeah. like, this imagination realm, but then, like, creating the structure for it to, like, really be allowed in.
2: Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Totally.
1: Right? Because if I never sat down, I would have never even thought of that.
2: Definitely. And and allowing yourself to, you know, not everything you create has to be a masterpiece. I mean.
1: Yes. That is so yeah. big. Like, like getting past. This- getting For the past sake of it. Yes. Because I think like God likes us to create. I know that sounds like kind of silly, but I really believe that. Like I think he's like, I think he like loves our creations.
2: I would totally agree. I mean, I think just even biologically with, you know, the fundamental purpose of our existence is biologically speaking to procreate, to gift our DNA and the lessons we've learned that are now embodied in our DNA to the next generation.
1: I totally agree. Yeah. Whether that, whatever that is you're creating.
2: Yeah. And so absolutely. And I mean, even, you know, in a collective community way, everything we're creating, it's a lot of these systems are, they're going to outlive us. Or, you know, as I said before, we may not see the finished product and, but we're not just creating for ourselves. We're creating for the collective. We're creating for the community.
1: Yes. Oh my God. That's the emperor Libra thing again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally can be. Especially with Libra, the you know the air signs in general are relational signs. They need other people more so than the other signs. They need that aspect of reflection to be seen the way air needs form to be seen.
1: Oh my god, I didn't even think about that.
2: <laughs> and so as an air sign
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: solar air sign, I yeah, it's, it's, it's important. Definitely an important um, thing for me personally, but I think just in general.
1: Look how much power you have. Oh my God. All of that Capricorn that you can like manifest all of these amazing ideas that you have.
2: Oh, Anna, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And again, you know, this is, I am, totally in belief that it is you kind of excavating a lot of these things within me
1: oh it's sincerely my pleasure (laughs) and my duty (laughs)
2: Uh, and yeah I feel like you've enriched me so much and I have so much to you know continue to think about and explore and I feel really enlivened uh, by this conversation with you so I'm super grateful
1: Oh my God. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me and sharing all of your beautiful wisdom. Thank you for having me. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and what services you offer? I know you already like kind of touched on it, but.
2: Sure. So on Instagram, I am sacred.mirrors. And um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I just recently started. So there's not too much on there yet. Uh, but I have I do like monthly readings. Um, and then uh, for all the zodiac signs, and then I also do kind of educational content. Right now, I'm focusing on the tarot and the Emperor card for the Emperor year. And then my website is sacredmirrors.co. And I offer some written audio offerings as well as sessions, virtual sessions. Um, Again, these are within the themes of storytelling archetypes and symbols and exploring those through primarily tarot, astrology, dream work and I'm integrating journeying into it as well. So there's a heavy emphasis right now in my work on tarot and astrology, but there, I like to think they're more than that as well. Um, So yeah, you can check out my website if you're interested in that stuff. Um, I do offer sliding scale and donation-based sessions every month so you know if if the pricing doesn't work for you um, you can always email me I'm more than happy for people who really want to engage in this work to work something out with you
1: I love that (laughs) yes oh my god you're amazing
2: oh thank you so much Anna
1: Okay, how much did you guys love freedom? I know you did. Connect with her, sacred.mirrors on Instagram. Book a reading with her on her website, sacredmirrors.co. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review it. Give it five stars. It only takes a minuti. And I love your booty. I couldn't help it. That just rhymed and was so cute. You know it was cute. All right, guys. I really, really am sending you so much love and so much peace. Because who doesn't need more peace in their life? And that's it. Oh, wait. I always forget. Our (laughs) song of the day is by Camp. So, C-A-A-M-P, two A's for a wild ride there. So, camp is the band, and the song is called So Long, Honey. Wasn't that lovely? So nice. All right, guys. Um, I think that's it. If you want to connect with me on Instagram, you can find me at Blind Love Radio, and I would love to hear from you. So, I will be back with another episode before you know it love ya